the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See at the Game website, and your host for the See at the Game podcast. Signing Day 2022 is in the books. Or is it? I am joined by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we will discuss the day that was, as CU signed over 20 new buffs into the fold. Coach Prime and his staff brought in a four-star quarterback, a four-star running back, and a four-star wide receiver, together with, literally, almost a ton of offensive line strength. On the defensive side of the ball, there were pleasant surprises, including significant upgrades to the linebacker core and the defensive backfield. So, how will the Buff Nation receive the recruiting class of 2023? Is the final grade going to be dependent on whether or not other high-profile recruits sign on to the class? Or will the upgrades made, including the signing of CU's first NFL draft-worthy quarterback in a quarter century, be enough to show that Coach Prime and his staff are ready to make significant inroads in the 2023 season? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back. And speaking with Brad Geiger in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. How's Brad faring so far today? Good. The uh, cold front remains just north of here. So uh, it's not so bad right now, but it could get ugly in the next couple hours. Okay. And since you're north of Highlands Ranch in Denver, Neil Langland, how, how are you faring so far? I'm faring fine. Good to see you guys and happy solstice day. Maybe that's a symbol for the turnaround in CU football. Um, <laughs> but as far as the weather goes, it's here downtown. We had a big gust and windstorm uh -huh. here that obscured the downtown building. So it's headed your way, Brad. Yeah, it was visible. <laughs> okay. Well, not not. I was talking to both of you today that not much sympathy. We already <laughs> been there, done that, got the T-shirt, went out and shoveled this morning when it was seven below because that was as warm as it was going to get all day i think we're currently around 18 to 20 below on our way to 38 below tonight so i guess it's a good thing that uh, we don't have any official visitors coming to boulder that might be upset about the temperature um, but there was activity we're recording this on the night of signing day signing night there's still Signatures to obtain. Signing day actually goes on for three days. 
the early signing period, and there'll be another signing period on February 1st. And of course, the transfers have until, at least for Colorado's concern, until school starts on January 17th. Mm -hmm. So more bodies coming CU's way, but some 22 signatures were obtained today. I guess let's first just a broad overview, Brad. What grade would you give the, the class? An incomplete, an A, a B, a, probably not a C? Uh, no, I would definitely not give it a C. Um, and I guess the question is, are we grading on a curve based on what we have been getting in? I think from a national point of view, this is a, a solid B. I think for CU with a new coach and given all of our problems, this is a, this is a solid A. We are better than we were 24 hours ago. There is more talent. There is more ability. We have more talent and speed at the skill positions. We got some, and I Neil, no Neil will talk about this, some big, strong dudes up front. Even the ones we missed, we got in the room on. And uh, there's every reason to believe that this is a heck of a start. Okay. Well, Neil, you know, the Carl Durrell class of 20 commitments or, you know, those that were uh, recruited by the former coaching staff, when there were 20 commitments, the rankings were in the 45 to 50 range nationally. And now as we sit here with, you know, the night yet, not yet done, but 22 commitments in, including six uh, transfers, uh, Colorado's class is sitting in the 45 to 50 range. So are we just treading water or are you thinking that we're making progress here? Well, like Brad, I, I think if we're grading this relative to what we have done in the past decade or two, uh, this is a substantial improvement. Um, we have a couple of four stars in the fold, but the three stars that we have, many more of them are on the upper end of the three-star range as opposed to the three stars that we had been getting in the past, which were middle to low three-star ranking. Also, we're putting some talent and some people into places we have sorely needed it. As Brad alluded to, my favorites, the offensive and defensive lines. It seems like we could almost uh, pick at least three of the starters now uh, for the O-line, maybe one or two for the D-line. That's where it's won and lost. That's where we have been weakest, uh, especially in the last couple of years. Big, big improvement. Skill positions. We've got wide receivers. Um, maybe that means they, they don't think Tyson is going to heal. Running back, a four-star speedy guy. And while we're on speed, it seems like there has been a dramatic overall improvement at team speed. So I'm B++ on this if I have to give a grade. But I think it's incomplete, and we're going to continue to see more. And I'm anxious to see some of these mystery players that had been committed elsewhere that are now – possibly going to end up in Boulder. So the next three days could be really significant for this class. Yeah, I think that uh, you only give it an incomplete on the sense that it's going to get better. Not that it's going to go down, but it's going to get better with anything that comes in. It's going to be some of these high profile recruits that have yet to decide where they want to play football. Well, let's go from the top, Brad. There were not one, but two quarterbacks that signed on with the University of Colorado. You know, the worst kept secret was that there'd be a transfer from Jackson State, but uh, 
the recruit, the high school recruit, Ryan Staub, who was committed to CU before Deion Sanders came along, stuck with his commitment and signed on with the buff. So help in the quarterback's room. And we obviously, we think we have our starter, but mm-hmm. uh, not too bad to get Ryan Staub on the, on the roster as well. Well, and we had a concern. CU is familiar about what happens when the coach's son gets appointed starter. Um, it makes recruiting the next quarterback a bit of a challenge. Um, the fact that Staub's going to be in the room. Yeah, I think Chidora is going to start uh, absent some extraordinary circumstance. I watched, I mean, I assume a good number of CU fans watched him play in the bowl game and he is as advertised. And so, uh, yeah, I was very excited that we would have both of them in the quarterback room. Of course, I would love some other person to remain there as well, but I think having them both there is a great is great news for CU. Obviously, Shadur is going to run a different offense than JT Shrout would have, and so I think we're going to see a lot of changes. Neil, uh, well, I'll I'll go back to Brad with some of the the skill positions, but I, I know you're our man when it comes to the big uglies, and it was a big day literally for the University of Colorado. It started off. I was looking at, you know, got up at six this morning. The first thing you hear is all these recruits that we're getting that we hadn't even heard of. Offensive linemen got three today. Isaiah Jada from junior college, Jack Wilty, and Landon Beebe, none of whom were on CU's roster of commitments prior to signing day. Uh, and that's in addition to Sabian Washington from Kent State, who is was already committed, and Hank Zelinkas, who's been committed to CU since, I believe, July. So six offensive linemen, um, or at least five that we got today, you have to be pretty pleased or at least the, thinking that uh, the coach is making sure that his son is going to not be bruised and banged up. Well, they're just looking at the film on a couple of these guys, they are beasts. They're not just big bodies. They can move. They can pull and trap and run counter trade. Uh, and sweeps and on straight ahead blocking they are a sight to behold and their pass protection probably might be the area that they might need the most work in but it's an overnight upgrade uh, with no disrespect to the current kids but but those tackles I think are going to be impressive on offense Um, I think you could pencil them in right now probably as starters either a tackle or guard um, we have a third guy. Uh, I'm sorry, his name escapes me at the moment, but he, Jack Wilty, could probably fit in in the interior uh, as a guard or a center. So this is an immediate upgrade. It's going to be interesting to go to the spring game and just see these larger bodies. And I'm, I've got the date circled, whatever it is. I've got the whole month of April circled. <laughs> uh, well, get, yeah, get your spring game road. ticket before the Nebraska fans gobble them all up. You know. <laughs> well, well, I'm betting that, you know that ESPN might be out here just broadcasting that game live, um, just because of the of Coach Prime. But anyway, uh, the D lineman. Um, I well, think let's let's we just have... to stay with the offense for now. I mean, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, because so Brad, I want to ask you, I mean, last year we got Tommy Brown uh, transferred in from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting offensive linemen from Kent State, 
Missouri State, Snow Junior College, and Iowa Central Community College. I think if I got that one right for Wilty, uh, it's Iowa something Community College. Now, Neil, who's our, our line guy, is pretty excited about all these wonderful guys that are coming in from places that we don't know the nicknames for. Uh, Kent State's the Flashes. That's the only one I could give you. The other ones, I have no idea. But those guys are all coming from lower, if not much lower levels. And we had Tommy Brown from Alabama last year who did fine. I mean, he, he held his own compared yeah. to the other linemen that we had, but he wasn't all Pac-12 by any means. So is this a cautionary tale that we're bringing in all these guys just because they're big? Um, and maybe got all conference in, you know, some junior college ranks. Is it uh, fair to be skeptical that these guys are going to be able to play at the Pac-12 level? Well, of course. It, you know, last year we were really excited about Tommy Brown. <laughs> so, of course. Uh, you know, but first of all, step back. We're getting junior college transfers. That wasn't happening before, and now we know. <laughs> Let, let's just step back and say, huh, the yes. transfer policy might somewhat have affected who's coming to play for CU. Yeah, of course you're worried about guys stepping up in class. We're worried about that with Coach Prime. We're worried about that with Shadur. That said, these were generally guys who everybody thought could play coming out, particularly Shadur. And they've got two years experience. Um, do I wish we were getting every five-star offensive lineman? Yeah, I do, really do. Um, were we going to get that in six weeks? No. As important as how good these guys are, and I, you know, looks like they've got more than a bit of talent, is that they are here now. They showed up within, what, five weeks of the coach being hired or less. And they are, it is the right focus at the right position, which makes you, in, makes you feel like the new coaching staff went, oh, we need to improve here. <laughs> so I mean, that's what we that's that's the nice part to see is that we did 12 podcasts about how the offensive line needed to get better. Um, it's nice to know that the coaching staff agrees with Neil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's nice to know. I mean, one of them is from Kent State, but that's also, you know, Savion Washington is where our offensive coordinator was his coach at Kent State. So obviously he has not only film on him, he has a personal relationship with him. So we assume that he would bring along a player that he believes he can, you know, can qualify at the, or participate and play at the, the highest level of power five football. So Neil, I'm going to go back to Brad here for a second and do the skill positions. One running back, but a very good running back, mm -hmm. a four-star running back, former Notre Dame commit, Dylan Edwards, but only one running back and compared to five wide receivers. What does that tell you about the future of the offense? What does that tell you about the depth chart? What does that tell you about whether or not we're worried about Jordan Tyson going somewhere else or not being healthy? Or what do you make of the fact that uh, we got one running back and five wide receivers? Well, I and and the running back's not exactly a thirty carry a guy, a thirty carry guy who's going to grind out one hundred and five. He is not a three yards and a cloud of dust kind of guy. 
I think we all know what we already knew. This is going to be a more wide open offense. That This is going to be more of a passing game. I think we're going to have run pass options. I think we're going to throw out. We're going to try to find a way to get fast guys on the corner. And, you know, that's, that's who our personnel is going to fit at least for now. And so, um, yeah, of course, I would love to have a 215-pound grinded out change of pace back. He's not there right now. We will see how that's going to go. But I'm going to really look forward to some passes in the flat to Dylan Edwards. Um, and hopefully those big guys up front can make what I see from Dylan Edwards is if there is a hole, he will find it. And that would really be nice to watch. Yeah. Well, Neil, I mean, the way it's looking up, if you look at what, you know, Sean Lewis had at Kent State, it's kind of a, you know, fast break kind of offense. So maybe the offensive line doesn't have to be holding its blocks for, you know, five seconds or anything like that, but it's just going to be in and out. And we've, oh, by the way, we've got a quarterback now that can run if he gets threatened and make plays with his feet. I don't know. We got a four-star running back at, at Dylan Edwards and a four-star flip. Uh, we got today with Adam Hopkins um, was a pleasant surprise that he had been committed, I believe, to Auburn forever and today became a, a buff. So anything about those wide receivers? I suppose Adam Hopkins is the headliner, but there's four other good ones there. Or are you more excited about what Dylan Edwards can do behind your big, bad offensive line and your, you know, mobile quarterback? I have to say that Brad Bright is going to be more wide open. Speed is the name of the game for this offense. We'll probably see a lot of swing passes, screen passes for the small running back to pick his way through. We still have Montana, uh, Montana Lamonius Craig, who I think can probably play uh, and have some get some snaps. The, the offensive uh, receivers that are coming in, the one, the one comment I have is they all seem to be speed guys. We don't have any real big, large target guys. It's all about speed. And that's going to be such a change for CU fans. It's going to be exciting to watch that. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing not just who starts, but how the rotations uh, are worked out. So I think the upgrade is also there for the wide receivers, definitely. Yeah, and notably no tight ends were well, signed today. Um, does, so the, does that, does that the, that they're going to bring back our offensive tackle that was playing tight end at the end of last year and caught that touchdown pass? He might be that, a great tight end in this offense. Another well, blocker. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, not sure. counting on that. We still <laughs> we still have tight ends in the tight end room, but we're, we're going on to our third decade of waiting for production from the tight end room. Uh, but Switching over to the defensive line, I'll start again with 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 you, Neil, because you're our line guy. A uh, couple of recruits that were from the transfer portal, uh, one from West Virginia, Shane Coxon, came over from Dartmouth, which I was not impressed with until I read that he was getting a whole bunch of offers from the rest of the planet and seemed to be well thought of. And then one, uh, I'll probably say his name wrong, Tajay McCoy, was a commitment that we already had. So couple of defensive linemen. Is that enough considering all the losses that are going to be, there are a lot of seniors along the defensive line this past year. 
Is that something that needs to be an area of emphasis going forward, or you think that the defensive line has been bolstered enough to be competitive going forward? Yes, to all of that. I think the offense, excuse me, the D line is incomplete at this point. Uh, that's the position group I think that needs more attention uh, in the coming days and weeks and months. And I'm sure that they will add more bodies there. Um, I think we have a couple of guys coming forward that probably can be in the rotation, but it's going to take uh, new recruits and new blood to fortify that group to what should be at least competitive in the Pac-12. One thing about the, the transfer you mentioned Looking at some of the ratings that they have as high school players and then as a college player, as a transfer, a couple of these kids have really improved their star rating and their numerical rating from the time they were in high school by their play in college. So it looks like what we've done is we've dipped down into triple A ball, if you will, and we're pulling a couple of guys up to the big club. And guys that maybe were late bloomers that I think can probably really play in this league. I may be wrong, but I, they just look like they have developed over the last couple of years. And that's a good thing for us. Okay. Well, Brad, I'll expand it for you out to the, the front seven, uh, the defensive line, as well as some linebackers. Got some good linebackers out of this group. Uh, Victory Johnson, got to love that name. Kofi Taylor, Barracks, and Morgan Pearson, who's under athlete, but I think he's going to be playing linebacker. And then a transfer from Clemson, uh, Levante Bentley, that they seem to be pretty excited about in the coach's room. So not as much added depth on the defensive line, but it looks like they got some pretty good linebackers coming in. Yeah, and I think, um, again, it's going to be interesting to see how how much the defense is adjusted to deal with the talent. You know, last year we hoped, you know, it, in the end, the front seven played better towards the end. I think it will be interested to see, again, it's speed at linebacker. I think these guys, from what I've seen from their, from their highlights can hit, of course, anybody can put together a highlight film for a linebacker, but um I, I think probably we're going to have to I, – I would love another big guy or two on the line. I would love to have somebody who's a little bit better at getting at the quarterback. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something we're going to have to focus on. I don't know that we have the, the DNs who are going to get there, which may mean that our defense is going to work more on a blitz set package. You know, that's a word that the last staff was unfamiliar with. Uh, <laughs> So I think we may see some of these linebackers coming after after the quarterback, and I think some of them may be playing with a hand down sometimes. So I, I think we're going to be long on, on linebacker, and we're going to have to adjust the game plan to adapt to that. Yeah, well, some of these yeah are you know could be qualified as edge rushers and things like yeah. that. So yeah, that's why I kind of lumped the front seven all together because it's kind of hard to just say this is a lineman, this is a linebacker because some of them can play right on the edge and do both sides. Well, you were going to say something, Neil, let go ahead. Yeah. You know, it depends on how we configure that front four in a sense, like Brad was touching on is that if we play with four traditional down linemen that fit the lineman's size profile, we definitely need more guys, but it looks like many schools now are going to a th 
uh, three down linemen, three big guys, and then a linebacker standing up as the second defensive end, or even having two down line, two big linemen and two linebackers lined up on the front. So it depends on how they're going to configure their defense mm -hmm. relative to the talent they have. We could be complete. We may need more guys, but we also have some guys coming back that would fit that edge rusher profile, that outside right. linebacker profile. So it's kind of hard to tell now how that front seven is going to be until we see the base defense and how they make adjustments based on down and distance. Right. Well, it's hard to you know, kind of fathom at this point that even with all the bodies that we've been talking about today, that still only makes up about a quarter of the roster. Mm -hmm. Now, the other three quarters of the roster is still going to be fluid. There's going to be more additions, going to be more subtractions, but you need 22 guys and it's not going to be just these 22 guys on the field. So hopefully there's enough reserve talent there or developing talent that, that can supplement what we've got coming in. Talk about the defensive backs um, Brad, you were excited. I know about Carter Stoutmar, who is a flip from Arizona, a late flip. And then today there's a late flip from SMU, Jaden Milnier Jones. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, I, don't, I read all these names all day. I don't talk about these names all day. So, you know, it comes down to actually talking about them. I'm not sure what their pronunciations are. So apologies to Mr. Milnier-Jones, and we'll get to know him hopefully very well in the next couple of years. But a couple of good defensive backs uh, to go with uh, Nico Reed and what we've got coming back? Definitely. Stoutmeyer is a baller. He's not – he's six foot 170. I think hopefully we'll get a little bit bigger. But he can fly. He's got a good leap. He's got a really good job at, at, at high point and – and seems willing to put his head into it on run defense too. I think he's a, I think he's a strong player, and that was a really nice add. You know, we were legitimately worried about our secondary last year, and some of the point totals indicated why. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's an area where we unquestioned. I'd say that and an offensive line is where we upgraded the most. I know it's not a lot of numbers, but I think those are guys who can play. Okay. Neil, you, you feel good about uh, the back end of the defense going forward, or is that another place where, you know, a couple more warm bodies, uh, Travis Hunter comes to mind, would be a good supplement for uh, CU's future? Oh, gee, Stuart, I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> he, he is teasing us now, is Mr. Hunter, about where he's going to go, hopefully circumstances will put him here in which case we will be very solid at corner with the with the guys that we're picking up today as well as the people we have the interesting part about the secondary now is what are we going to do about safety you know we've got one nice kid coming back and we don't know about the other further we don't know the kind of schemes they're going to be running so we don't know how existing players will fit in so I think they may be a player or two away at the safety spot and look for probably more guys from the portal coming in at that position. Okay. So when we talk about the roster in general, in terms of what's been supplemented, what still needs, it sounds like we're always in search of warm bodies for the offensive and defensive lines. And then the secondary would be 
the secondary area of need going forward? Would that be a fair assessment or are there other positions that you think are more in dire need of a, up? when you're talking 111 team, you know, everything's in need of upgrade, but <laughs> what, what, what units do you think are the biggest uh, concerns going forward as the transfer portal becomes the focus for CU fans watching what uh, coach prime is going to do with this roster? Again, I agree with Neil. I'd love to have somebody in the middle of the defensive backfield who will stick their head in and hit somebody. And uh, again, yeah, could we find, even if we've got pass rushers at the linebacker, I still would like somebody who can stand somebody up in the middle of the defensive line as well. I think the offense got better. I think the defense is still going to require some coaching and some scheming to be able to match up with Pac-12 offenses. Okay. Neil, how about you? Well, in addition to the safety stuff, I agree with Brad, maybe another couple of big guys up front. We're not sure how Van Wells, who seems to be the leader in the clubhouse, at least at the end of the season for that position, um, how some of the new guys might be fitting in there and how they're going to rotate there. Tight ends, you know, I, I don't know, aside from Eric Olson, who I think probably has some potential from the current roster. Not sure what they're going to do about that, but I have a feeling that Coach Prime's offense are going to use a tight end a little more than we have, which is a really bold statement, as you know. But I'm looking at outside linebacker, and we have a lot of guys that fit that profile physically, not a lot of production. And so I think we may be looking for OLBs Seems like we filled the inside, possibly. Uh, we now need to get some speed, whether it's as a, an edge rusher lining up on the line or an outside linebacker rusher. We need to address that. Of course, we need a punter. Hmm. And there's, I don't know how they're going to fill that one, but we're in dire need there. Uh, the place kicking is fine. And I would, I would hesitate to say that our de defensive line is complete. So I think without trying to pick on any one position group, I, I think we need slight upgrades in every area, but especially in the areas I mentioned. Okay. Well, let's go back to the 10,000 foot view. Again, as we speak, the, the class, it's relatively small in terms of how it's being graded with underclassmen. I think we you call it like 16 commits and possible, you know, you could, most classes are in the 20 to 25 range. CU's hovering around the 45 to 50 rankings nationally. No Travis Hunter flip, no big splash news from Coach Prime. I mean, you did get a four-star wide receiver and a three-star defensive back, but, and a couple of, you know, Offensive linemen, recruits, those were the, the news of the day. How do you think that the Buff Nation, I guess first, you know, how the, is the Buff Nation going to react to this? And then how do you think it's going to play uh, with the national media as to how CU's class unfolded today? Wow. I, I, I think the Buff Nation is still delusional. Happily so. We're deeply involved in it. That's fine with us. Yeah, there will be some critics. Um, and there will be until spring camp, and there should be. 
Um, skepticism is hard with a new exciting coach, but there should be at least some. Um, I think the, the Buff fans are certainly going to give him some credit and some time. Nationally, I think probably they will point out that there was no massive splash. But then again, if we hadn't hired Deion Sanders nationally, they wouldn't even know we existed. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if we get a mention, that yes. would be better than most. Um, I think most reasonable evaluators will say that for the amount of time that the coach had, that this was a good get. So, yeah, there will be certain people. And if, you know, if Travis Hunter, we continue to refresh Twitter, um, shows up, that will be one thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And there's others from Jackson State, like Kevin Coleman. And, you know, there's others that, you know, supposedly would be coming along the luggage from yeah. Jackson State. Neil, feel the same way? I mean, is it going to be, um, I was, had that no choice but to follow the story of, Malachi Coleman, who was the four-star Nebraska commit from Lincoln, Nebraska, who decommitted from Nebraska, looked like it was going to be a CU commit. Nebraska fans went bat crap crazy about it. <laughs> and then he flipped it back. Apparently, there was some family pressure. The poor kid, he grew up in Lincoln. I can imagine his mother saying, there's no way in hell my son is going to go to Boulder, Colorado and play against my Nebraska Cornhuskers for the next two years, but we don't know exactly what's going on. Maybe they just threw more NIL money at him or something like that, but he flipped back. And you've got others like, you know, Blake Purchase out of Cherry Creek, the four-star linebacker, you know, was supposed to sign, didn't sign today. He's, there's the number one cornerback in the country, uh, McLean out of Miami. He was supposed to be a Miami recruit. He's delayed his commitment and supposedly you know Dion's got his ear is there still time for there to be this big splash and for the CU to rise up in the rankings or are we going with the idea that this guy's been in, on the job for three weeks and one of those weeks was spent in Jackson Mississippi and we should be happy with what we have regardless of what comes in the next couple of days weeks and months well, we talked about how we were going to grade the class. And if we're doing it on uh, the time profile, uh, he gets an A, A plus. We have upgraded a lot of three stars, as I mentioned before, our highest three stars. And as we mentioned also at the top of the podcast, we have these mystery guys hanging out, possible flips. Been hearing about those guys all day on the radio. If we can get one or even two of those guys, it will upgrade this class substantially, I would say. And therefore, I think just on potential that these guys are now talking to see you, they're paying attention to see you. That's the intangible result here, that if we don't harvest all of these guys this time around or later next year, that we're now getting attention from people that didn't return our calls. So in that regard, we also get an A plus, in my opinion. Yeah, Brad, you're you're nodding your head that yeah, yeah. that the you know, University of Colorado, as you noted, was is not on anybody's radar, and the twenty commits that CU had was not uh, did not contain a name that anybody was concerned about flipping over to anybody else. I mean, I'm going to do a little piece once the dust settles as to where the decommits went. And some of them did land on in power fives. A lot of them went up to G5s and things like that. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, wish them well, but they were not the recruits that were going to turn a one and 11 team around. And you got to have faith until in coach prime until he gives us reason not to, I think. Yeah. I mean, we talked about getting in rooms. I mean, there are people who talked to Deion Sanders and his and his staff that would never have acknowledged that Carl Durrell existed. There were times we forgot Carl Durrell existed. Um, so, you know, we have to think that you, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You lose 100% of the recruits you never get to talk to. And <laughs> we get to talk to him now. Yes. Well, that is certainly a, a step in the right direction. And I couldn't help but notice that uh, they rate recruiters. And the number one recruiter was the Alabama defensive or associate defensive coordinator and safeties coach at Alabama. Now, of course, recruiting to Alabama is not super hard, but he was the number one recruiter in the country, and his name is Charles Kelly, who, is who now happens to be CU's new defensive coordinator. <laughs> so you've got a former head coach, former Kent State head coach coming in as the offensive coordinator, and you've got the number one recruiter in the country as an assistant coach coming in to be your defensive coordinator. Presumably they can recognize talent and, you know, we'll be able to develop talent. So I know we wanted to get this out quickly on the day of signing day uh, before Christmas and everybody moves on with their lives. They're still paying attention to the buffs and waiting for Travis Hunter and Kevin Coleman and Cormani McLean and others to, you know, Blake Purchase to make their decisions and maybe one or two of them will actually become buffs. I noticed that the CU's ranking in the transfer portals went from 24 to 16 when our quarterback showed up on the transfer portal list. So you can imagine what our rankings in the transfer portal world will go if we get a couple of, uh, you know, like Travis Hunter and Kevin Coleman to sign on and move from Jackson State. You guys have any any thoughts on Travis Hunter? I mean, you, you saw his video where he says that I'm going to do what's best for me. And if I'm, it's best for me to go to Colorado, that's great. If not, then I'm not going to go. Are we just happy that the young man's taking the time to look around? Or are we concerned that once he gets to looking around and seeing the checks that are going to be written for him, that there's not as much chance that he's going to come to the University of Colorado? Oh, I, I, I always had concerns about that. Um, it, it, UG, Georgia, Literally, we'll write him a blank check. Um, Michigan might as well. Um, Miami doesn't make any secret of it and has it for four decades. <laughs> so, you know, young man's got to make a decision about what he wants to do and how it's going to work for him. Yes, we would love for him to make the decision to stay with the coach and to understand what's going on. You know, I want the best for CU, uh, but I'm never going to criticize a guy for taking the opportunity that works out best for him. Yeah, fair enough. That sound good to you, Neil? That whatever he needs well, to it do does. is it, it does. He needs to look after his future, and I think Coach Sanders addresses that uh, uh, and may be the deciding factor insofar as Sanders is in an excellent position to tailor 
DBs to get to the league. And someone that's a high a five star or a high four star to have that sort of a channel into the NFL has to be a big thing. And that may overcome some of the short term gains from other schools that have better NIL programs than CU. And short digression, just on recruiting for a moment, the grade that we haven't discussed is that recruiting of coaches. You touched on this when you talked about the Alabama DC coming here. That's a terrific get. And I don't know how many guys, how many prospective CU coaches could have had a path to get in to talk to that guy, let alone bring him on board. So Coach Prime gets an A-plus in that area, too, for being able to recruit coaching talent. So sorry to stray off the, the path. No, no, it's there. good. It's just, you know, that's certainly something they finally announced some of the coaches. And, you know, some of them are from Jackson State. And there was some concern about there'd be too many that didn't have that type of experience. But it seems like they've taken lesser positions and things like that. And that the, you know, at the top of the pyramid, you've got a lot of experience and I'd have people look at the article that was written either on cubuffs.com or what Brian Howell did at the daily camera about all the experience that this coaching staff has at the, you know, at all the different levels and all the different players that they put into the NFL and all the championships they've won. Yeah. We don't know how coaching staffs work. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's an entity unto itself each year with each new coaching staff and, Hopefully Coach Prime has put together a, a winning staff that is going to put together a winning team. And we will talk again after the first of the year, once the dust has settled a little bit more, get more transfers figured out, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about the coaches and the future and the spring game and the future of college football in Boulder, Colorado, which, as you guys have been noting, that <laughs> there I, I posted – before right before we went online here, both ESPN and CBS Sports had articles on CU's recruiting day. And had it been a story about CU recruiting, it probably would have been that, you know, CU forgot to have a signing day or something like that, or, you know, became the first power five team to only five, you know, get five recruits to sign on signing day or something, you know, god awful like that. But now we're in the conversation. And as you guys mentioned, we're, we're in the room and there's some more bodies to go get and there's some more roster holes to be filled. But the 22 that signed on today, about a quarter of the roster for 2023, I think seems to be a, a positive step. So thank you, gentlemen, for your time and your efforts and your homework. And we'll let you hunker down and you know, get ready for the siege, which is going to be the, the cold front coming your way. <laughs> it has arrived. Well, we that. will survive. Indeed. Professor Whitehair, thank you very much for a wonderful <laughs> semester. Enjoyed it very much. Uh, I'm going to give you very high marks on your evaluation. Appreciate being part of this group, and I look forward to doing more of it. Guys, happy holiday and new year to you. Very good. Well said. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you both for listening to this podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation, which is finally being rewarded for its loyalty. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. 
We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are proud to be a part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See With the Game website. This is the last episode for 2022. It's episode 45, so we've been with you almost every week. We'll be back in a few weeks to talk about the late additions to the CU recruiting class of 2023, as well as the assistant coaches who have joined Coach Prime in Boulder. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time when we will again see you at the game.